I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to Marketing Today. I'm your host, Alan Hart, managing partner of Atomic, combining brand science and creative fire. Today on the show, I've got Andy Duncan, CMO of Under Armour. Andy joined Under Armour in August of 2016 from Amazon. Today on the show, we talk about brand building and the differences between Amazon and Under Armour, where Under Armour is going, and how they're blending physical and digital products going forward. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. Well, so you joined Under Armour in August of 2016. Um, Why did you make the move from Amazon, which I consider the marketplace, to the manufacturer side? Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough call. I loved my time at Amazon. I was there for five years and uh, really feel great about the work that we did there and really enjoyed working with uh, with the Amazon team. I think my opportunity here at Under Armour was really around a couple of things. One was a passion for the category. Um, really loved the opportunity to work in sports and fitness. Uh, two was uh, I really felt like these guys had global headroom, the ability to grow their business. They're still pretty young in places like Asia and Europe in Latin America. So I thought there was a lot of headroom there. And I've been a global guy for a long time. It's a great brand. Uh, when you go talk to my friends, I talk to kids and people just love the brand. There's a there's an authentic uh, part to the brand that I think is is uh, is pretty amazing. And uh, last was around the idea of, I, I think there's an opportunity to innovate in this category. And apparel has been made and footwear has been made the same way for probably 
you know, the last 50 years and any industry where you've got that kind of legacy, it just entices me to think that there's got to be a better way. So the, the innovation opportunity, uh, especially around tech and apparel and footwear was something that I thought was going to be very fascinating. Well, could you tell us a little bit about what, what is the CMO role at Under Armour Encompass? Each CMO role I talk to is different, right? And so give us a little yeah, sense of Yeah, it is a little bit different. It's different even than when I was at Amazon. I, I've got a bunch of different skill sets in my group. So I have everything from traditional brand marketing to digital marketing to PR and events to sports marketing to entertainment marketing. And uh, the sports market, entertainment marketing is different where we're actually looking at what are the assets, creative assets, athletes, teams, leagues that we're going to bet on uh, that are going to support our brand for the long term uh, globally. So that that's very different than than what I had at, uh, at Amazon. Well, congrats on being named to the top 50 most innovative CMOs by Business Insider. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. I mean, you're you're probably nominated for lots of awards and, and make lots of lists. Just you, you've got high profile jobs or gigs, so to speak. You know, what is what does all of that mean to you? Yeah, awards are great. I mean, obviously, there's the the kind of public recognition for some of the work that that I've done. There's CMOS that are worthy, award worthy, all over the globe because people are doing amazing work. I think the the biggest thing about awards that help me are it helps us recruit. To be honest, people are are you know pay attention to awards, and it's a way to identify the work that we've done as a team. Because it's never one person, um, just like any good team. You know, I've got great leadership that helps us win this these awards uh, as a company and and me personally. But it really does help on the recruiting side, uh, and it's a lot of fun. You get to go to the award dinners and uh, you know hang out with uh, some other uh, great CMOs. So that's kind of fun too. Now, when I think about Under Armour, I think of the compression shirts, the major athletes, high performance. But I have to tell you, I, I take my daughter to school quite often. She's nine years old, and I go into class, and it's like a sea of UA. And uh, I, I'm just curious, like, what's going on? Where's, where's this brand positioned, and where are you trying to take it? Yeah, I love that. I love that story. I, we need to tell that story more often. <laughs> Um, what's interesting, again, I think I mentioned at the, at the front of our discussion, uh, this authentic nature of the Under Armour brand. And I think when you talk to kids that actually wear the brand, there's this belief that they can do anything. And we fuel that belief. And I think that like all brands, you know, brands go through cycles. You know, Nike is an amazing brand. Adidas is an amazing brand. They've been around for a long, long time. Uh, and I think for younger consumers, uh, they tend to look for something that represents them. And I think what we've been able to do through our authenticity is mean something to those kids and those younger adults as a brand that helps them get better at what they do and and cares about their athletic performance. And so, you know, we've been lucky enough to really begin to get the momentum with the younger consumer around the Under Armour brand because they feel that it, it represents them. Brands are, are can be fickle, though. We never take anything for granted. So everything that we do is about really trying to build apparel and, and footwear that makes the athlete better. Now, at CES this year, you launched connected a new line of connected shoes. Um, how, how has the fact that you're, you really didn't start as a shoe company, but how is that going to impact your ability to steal share going forward? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Because uh, if you kind of look at the history of, of apparel and footwear, again, if you go back to the Nikes and the Adidas of the world, they obviously started as, as footwear guys. Um, and we're coming at it from a different angle. You know, I'd like to think that it gives us an advantage in terms of breaking some of the rules about footwear. We have a shoe out right now called the Bandit um, that was actually uh, made in a bra factory. Uh, and so it was the first shoe ever made in a bra factory, which makes you scratch your head a little bit at first. <laughs> but really, Really what that was about was creating a knitted shoe that was one of the most comfortable shoes, uh, running shoes in the market. And it's been a big hit. And so that was reinventing the way we thought about a shoe. And I don't think we would have had that same thought if we had come at it from a traditional uh, shoe approach. So I think it gives us a little bit uh, different approach in design, comfort, and uh, the ability to rethink what a customer really wants in a running shoe. And it's always that balance between performance and design, not just one or the other. So that's what's made it successful. And, you know, we're chipping away. Uh, obviously, the the Curry uh, 3 shoe been a big hit. Uh, and Stephen Curry is an amazing player who's reinventing the game. And, you know, we look for, for players that we can associate ourselves with that are reinventing the game that, again, helps us actually design shoes that make them uh, authentic to the game, authentic to the athlete, um, and differentiated from the other big guys because uh, they have different performance and design characteristics. So what's the vision for UA, I mean, or Under Armour, in terms of like how are you going to blend physical performance products with digital products? Because you've, you've been pushing into the digital space for uh, quite a little while, I believe. We have, and again, it's one of the reasons why I'm here. I think there's this really interesting intersection between traditional apparel and footwear and data. Uh, uh, Under Armour bought a company, uh, or three companies actually, um, about 18 months ago, uh, 24 months ago. Uh, called, the group is really called Connected Fitness. And so the idea is that you know, consumers are obviously more and more connected every day. And even in my old world at Amazon, I worked on devices like Alexa, the Echo product, that um, really are about being able to connect in your home through voice, for example, but even the home is becoming the internet of things, right? So now I can connect Alexa to my light so I can turn it on with my voice. Why can't I actually connect data to my apparel or my shoes so that I can learn more about my performance and get better at what I do? I think, you know, long term, when you look at data and you look at apparel and you look at shoes, it's really about um, health and wellness as much as it is anything, right? It's about, again, becoming more fit. It's, a, it's about living a life that uh, incorporates um, uh, physical fitness into your life. So I think this intersection of data and apparel and, and footwear uh, will allow people to actually um, get more workouts in, get better at what they do, and get feedback uh, on how they're doing. You know, Kevin Plank, our CEO, talks a lot about, you know, we know more about the diagnostics of our car than we do our own body. Why is that true? And I think we want to change that equation so that you know as much or more about your body than you would about your car. Now, if you could only master self-driving bodies, um, yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. especially as I get older, especially as I get older. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, well, I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> I haven't seen the technology yet, but uh, self-propelled humans, I'm sure, is in the in our future. I'm sure if anyone could 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 nail that, it would be Kevin Plank. You know, yeah, I, so, you know, yeah. I'm sure he was probably dreaming about it last night. <laughs> So, so you mentioned Amazon, and I'm I'm curious, what's the difference in brand building between Amazon and Under Armour? 
I know at Under Armour, you've got, you know, integrating athlete brands in, in general, that certainly adds a level of complexity to it. Yeah, I think it's different in a lot of ways. I think at Amazon, our challenge was we were and our you know, Amazon still is a retailer, right? They're, they weren't at the beginning of when we built our marketing team. It was a retailer, really wasn't a device maker. Um, and today they're uh, actually a major significant device maker. So they're both a manufacturer and they're a, uh, a retailer. And so our job was to figure out how to begin to get credibility as a technology company at Amazon because we really were reinventing uh, things like the Echo device, the, the Alexa device. And we really were reinventing the way people read using the Kindle device. So um, our job there is very different than it is here. Here, we're a manufacturer at Under Armour. And so we, as you mentioned, have things like athletes that are part of our creative assets that we use to build the brand. And so while at Amazon, it was a retailer and a device manufacturer at Under Armour, it's a both a uh, functional performance footwear and apparel, but it's also this cultural currency that we need to build because this intersection of performance and lifestyle is becoming bigger and bigger at Under Armour and in, in this category, frankly. And so here at Under Armour, there's a lot more uh, focus on this cultural currency of the intersection of athletics and, and lifestyle and making sure that you remain authentic. And that's where your athletes and your entertainers come in because you need to pick very carefully to be make sure that you aren't just getting a stable of any athlete or any entertainer. It's really trying to figure out how you get athletes and entertainers that support your brand proposition and do that over a long period of time. And it's a bit of a bet, right? Because, you know, we signed Stephen Curry is three or three years ago or so. And, you know, at the time he, you know, had yet to win the NBA championship. He had yet to be an MVP. So it was a little bit of a bet about him. And the reason we bet on him, because he was really reinventing the way the game of basketball was being played. You know, kids didn't shoot from 30 feet out when they were playing a game. And now they do because they want to be like him. Uh, and so that's the difference between Amazon and, and, and Under Armour. Uh, one being the ability to drive the credibility as a technology company. The other at Under Armour being uh, able to drive the credibility as both a performance and a cultural, uh, cultural icon. Now that striking that cultural balance or that building that cultural currency that you just talked about is is a tricky job, right? I mean, in in the most recent history, you've seen uh, some of your competitors like New Balance with the advent of election results maybe go a little too far. You know, are there any advice or tips you might give others and like how to <laughs> how to navigate that? You know, I wish I had a magic bullet to be able to tell your listeners. I think the uh, big part is really being thoughtful, uh, which sounds pretty obvious, but actually sometimes it's not. You know, we all get caught up in our in our jobs with the next big thing. And sometimes there's an opportunity to sign a big star or a big athlete. Uh, and the pressure to sign them because they're big is, uh, you know, comes fast and furious. I think you need to take a step back and really examine not only the um, performance of that person on the field or in the entertainment circle, but also their character and also what they stand for and be authentic to who you are as a brand uh, and be thoughtful about the way that that athlete or entertainer or even position that you take fits your brand. Because every day what's happening today, of course, as a marketer for all your listeners, every day they're looking at 
social media as a way to connect with their customer. And so beyond even the athlete and entertainer taking a position in a particular issue, um, if it's true to who you are, then I think you're going to be safe, even if it's controversial. I think the worst thing that people and brands try and do is they try and um, sometimes they try and go with the, uh, what's popular or they go with what they think is popular, as opposed to always feeling like you are being authentic to your brand and who you are. I kind of feel like if you do that, you can never go wrong, because even if you get some backlash in the media, it can't be because you are taking a false position. Good advice. Good advice. How's the job of marketer or lead marketer in an organization morphing? And maybe even after you think about that for a second, you know, what does that mean to the organization and how does that, how does the organization need to catch up to the capabilities? Yeah, I think, you know, probably every um, marketer would give you a little bit different answer. I've, you know, kind of begun to think about marketing, believe it or not, as a business driver. And that, again, may sound obvious. But what I mean by that is that marketing can no longer be just a service organization. Uh, Marketing has to be a business leader. And we just talked a little bit about cultural currency as an example. Marketing is changing because I need to be plugged into what's happening in the culture even more so than I was even five years ago. And the job of the marketer is changing because things change so fast. In the old days, you know, when I started in um, consumer packaged goods, you could look and say, okay, I'm going to build a marketing program or build a brand. And I feel like if I do it well, you know, it's going to last for 20 or 30 years. Today, you can burn down a brand in about a week if you get it wrong. And so the, the job of the, of the, the CMO and the marketing, uh, marketing leaders are really to take. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That leadership position as a business, what are you going to stand for? How are you then going to use marketing levers to grow the business? And then how are you going to plug in to what's authentic to you as a brand and use that over time to be able to build uh, what you stand for? And again, the, the difference is that 
that platform that you're building is can be very volatile. And so it means that you have to build an organization that's very nimble, very flexible, can learn and adapt quickly and really become an experimentation engine. I like to talk about this idea of test, learn, and scale, where you're constantly probing what's going on. Because none of us can be can be geniuses and get it right every time. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong, but we shouldn't be afraid of that. And so using a test, learn, and scale type of approach, we can begin to see what's working, what's not working. And then when we find what's working, we hit the gas. And so even if you looked at your marketing plan, I built a marketing plan for 2017, I may look back in April after the first quarter is over and say, hey, there are two or three things that didn't work. We need to stop doing that and we need to change and we need to scale the things that are that are working. So being that fast and nimble, I think, is really changed for a marketer. Plugging into the cultural currency and being very um, adept at, at, uh, at taking advantage of the things that are authentic to your brand in a very fast-paced way is is changing for a marketer and taking that business lead hat right sitting at the table with the cfo sitting at the table with the coo uh, and being able to make decisions that are going to drive the business and and grow the top line as well as the bottom line you own it Uh, and that's i think different than maybe marketers or cmos were uh, you know 10 years ago I know at Amazon, you work to build almost an internal agency, I believe, if I'm yeah, correct. We did. And, and I'm seeing a, a little bit of a trend of people bringing more and more things in-house versus part, you know, using partners externally. One, you know, just curious if you comment on that. And then two, do you, do you plan to try to do that again at Under Armour? Yeah, so the uh, internal agency, it's interesting. You know, when I got to Amazon, uh, we, I think we had, in my group, I think I had two people when I started. And one of the things that we needed to do at Amazon was actually validate that the marketing dollars that we were spending were working. Um, And once we did that and proved that those dollars were actually providing return on investment, then we turned to, well, how are we going to produce enough content in a cost-effective way and in a breakthrough way that allow us to scale? And so we wanted to build an internal agency because there's a couple of reasons. One is we wanted to build an organization that was part of the heartbeat of the day-to-day operations of Amazon. So in other words, instead of having an agency outside, you know, providing service, having people internally that really understood the business so that when they developed ideas to support the business, they could talk to the product managers, they could talk to the general managers and really understand how that product was going to impact a consumer's life in a much more comprehensive way. So that was one. Two was we felt like we could be a lot more nimble by having an internal agency and turn content faster. You know, you were asking before about the changes in marketing. One of the big changes in marketing is that because social media is so important to the mix and because you have engaged fans who consume your content really fast, it means you need to actually create content much more quickly And that content has to be very high quality and using an outside agency potentially to do that can be very costly. And they're not set up generally to be fast paced content producers. And so that's why we needed internal uh, capabilities to do that. Now, what's interesting is my rule of thumb has always been I don't want to be 100 percent inside because what happens when you have only inside folks is potentially they they drink the Kool-Aid. Right. They begin to lose sight of what's happening externally. So by having a really strong internal agency that can move fast, 
develop content in a breakthrough manner, be on, on brand and be plugged into what's happening on the product, you now have one an internal agency that can, in a way, compete with an external agency for building out new ideas. But that external agency provides a different perspective. Uh, and you want that um, tension, that natural mm-hmm. tension to be able to produce the best ideas. So for me, well, you know, you asked the question, will I build an internal agency at Under, Under Armour? The answer is yes. Um, but I will always use external and internal creative resources because I think that produces the best work. Interesting. Well, so I want to step back from the job and from you know Under Armour itself, and, and think about you. I always like to ask folks that I'm interviewing, you know, what drives you, what motivates you to get up in the morning and go back into work. Um, I'm just curious, what what drives you? There's a couple of things. One, I love what I do, so it's fun. You get up in the morning and you embrace what you do because it's fun. Um, you know, I get to talk to people who uh, are trying to get better every day, or who are um, working out, who are uh, thinking more about how they're going to have better health and wellness in their lives. That's fun. So that's one. Two is the innovation in the category. You know, what I, for the last probably 15 years between startups and businesses like Amazon, the one true thread has been around how do you reinvent categories? How do you reinvent the way that products go to market? And how do you reinvent the way you market them? And so that puzzle of trying to figure that out gets me going every day. I think the third thing is curiosity. I think for any good marketer, a healthy dose of curiosity about what's going on in the world and uh, and how you can approach things differently drives me anyway. And, and there's nothing more satisfying than taking a traditional approach, reinventing it, and being able to execute in a new way that drives success. That's that's really fun. And I think that the, the kind of last thing is around this idea. What I love about Under Armour is they not only build great products, but they also give back. And Under Armour and Kevin Plank specifically has always had this idea of giving back to the community as a central part of who Under Armour is. Um, And I feel uh, kind of blessed that I have the opportunity to work with a a CEO and a company where that's part of their DNA Um, because we all work really hard. We all, you know, innovate in our categories, but actually giving back to the community through the products that we develop um, is a pretty motivating thing that gets me out of bed every day. So I'm curious, as a leader of a big brand, um, what other brands or companies do you follow or you think others should be taking notice of? Yeah, I think it's probably some of the obvious candidates. And because I come out of the tech world, um, the folks uh, starting with my old employer, Amazon, is, is, is one brand. Facebook is another. Google is another. Virgin um, is also another. Tesla is another. One common theme with all these companies is that you still have the founders still involved in the company. And so what I find is that, and it's been true for me for the last probably seven, eight years, is working for founders gives you a perspective on brands that you might not have if you worked for folks who, you know, are great managers, but maybe didn't don't have the same founder's passion. And why that tracks back to the brands I admire is because I find that these companies that are founder-led actually are some of the most innovative companies when it comes to brands. So whether you look at Amazon and what Jeff 
has done in terms of going from retail to devices. You know, who would have predicted five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago that Amazon would be in the, a leader in the cloud, a leader in voice recognition, uh, a leader in content uh, like movies and TV shows competing with Netflix? No one. Uh, and so, as a as a guy who loves brands, figuring out how to build a brand that actually is uh, can grow over time uh, is, is fascinating. And, and I admire the companies that can grow outside of their, their, their comfort zones. I, I said it a couple of times, I, and uh, I hope my uh, old professors at uh, graduate school aren't listening, but I sometimes feel like in these fast paced, high, high uh, velocity companies, you kind of leave everything you learned at MBA when you got your MBA at the door, because they're constantly reinventing the way that uh, <laughs> marketing is, is done. And so while I say that a little facetiously, companies like Amazon, Facebook, Google, Virgin all have something in common, and that's founders and constantly reinventing their categories and going to places that no one else would go. And just as one example, you know, in graduate school, you would learn all about, well, you can't go outside of your core competency. And that sounds really rational. Um, but if you look at each one of these companies, every single company has gone outside of what you would have considered their core competency and been amazingly successful. And the reason that they've been able to do it is because they were very thoughtful about the brand. They were very thoughtful about looking around corners and trying to anticipate where future trends were leading. And they were, were willing to take a risk. Uh, and that ability to manage risk and take a risk is critical in today's environment, even from a marketing standpoint. You have to take risks or you'll be irrelevant in short order. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's walking on a tightrope to figure out how you do it. But the, the, the four companies that I mentioned, the four brands that I mentioned all have that in common. And, and uh, I find it very inspiring and hope I can bring some of that uh, same risk taking, same uh, strategy to Under Armour. Well, I think it's pretty insightful, especially around the founder component, because I to your point, the founder can set that grand vision, but at the same time, they almost believe it. And so therefore it becomes true. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like the organization, otherwise, if you looked at it, you know, from an academic perspective, you would say you don't have the capacity to do this. You don't That's have right. the core capabilities, but that belief, I think just becomes reality. Um, and, and I think founders are the best suited to do that. I agree with you. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that it's the, it might sound a little cliche, but it's the, let's kind of think about the ability to get to yes, as opposed to saying no, right? It's always easy to say, no, this won't work. No, I can't, that's too risky. And I think you have to take the attitude, especially today, where uh, almost anything is possible, um, where you have to say, how am I going to get to yes and mitigate the risk so that if it does go wrong, it's not going to take the company down with it. So <laughs> finding out those experiments that you can do and learn from, going back to the idea of Tesla and scale, is important to those companies from a, from a risk profile and from a founder standpoint. So last question, you'll have to get out your uh, crystal ball. Uh-oh. <laughs> what, what do you predict for the future of marketing as a function? 
Well, we've talked a, a little bit about it, I think, in this conversation. There, there is no doubt, and this is going to be obvious to some of your listeners, around the ability to use data within your your uh, marketing plans. And that sounds, again, pretty pretty kind of boring. Oh, use data for your marketing. Sure, of course I use data. But data is very dynamic, and data in the end is almost a creative asset. And by that, I mean that you need to interpret the data and you need to actually build hypothesis, hypotheses from the data to be able to understand what your options are from a marketing standpoint to go back to that test and learn idea. Because data, like any other creative asset, um, if you're not thoughtful about it, you're going to make the wrong decision, especially if you think there's only one answer. So I think this idea of using data to drive options and then going to test those options to learn what's going to work is one thing. I think the other thing we talked a little bit about is the future of marketing is brands are going to rise and fall much, much faster than they have in the past. And so the job of CMO is actually becoming much harder because, again, you can't set it and forget it anymore. Every day there's input that your customers are seeing about your brand that could change anything at the drop of the hat. I mean, look at the current political situation, right? Where uh, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, there's things that happen in uh, in politics that are affecting people's perceptions of brands. And that, that can be unpredictable. And so how do you anticipate that within the context of, of your brand? Um, I think the third thing is around you've got to move faster and you have to build an organization that understands that uh, the you'll, you'll build a plan uh, and that plan has to have a solid foundation, but you're also using it to reassess almost every week how you're doing and whether you're being effective at connecting with your customers. I think the fourth thing is you're going to have to get used to using um, customer input in a lot more proactive way. I think we've all been old school, you know, you do your consumer groups and you learn that way. But today, your consumer groups are happening every day in social media. Uh, and so you're getting feedback on your brand every single day. And so I think the future of media is being able to translate that huge, almost global customer focus group into action in ways that are authentic. I think the last thing is around that idea of authenticity. Um, I think consumers are so skeptical and get hit from media, you know, every second of their lives. And they're not going to uh, engage in your brand unless it's meaningful to them. And so, you know, again, 10 years ago, meaningful might have meant, hey, I, I got a great discount. So I, I was able to save some money. That's and that's still a functional benefit. But today, unless that brand means something to them emotionally, they're not going to be interested and we talked a little bit about giving back. That's one one way. Uh, another thing is, how does it change my life, and how does it make my life better? Uh, and that is a that's a big ask from a customer. And again, as a as a marketer, you have to be very authentic in terms of how you fulfill that ask, because if you're not, people see right through it. So faster using customer input. Uh, the ability to know that your brand uh, will morph much more quickly than it has in the past and using data to make better decisions much more quickly and test and learn will all be part of the future of brands. Great. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Well, thanks, Alan. It was a lot of fun. 